But no, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I made a note of the time that we just missed, so um, Gareth, I sort oh, of- God, you're such professional. Yeah, you are. Like, nothing can phase <laughs> well, you. It's my fault. Um, no, you're well, getting yeah. hit by natural disasters <laughs> and you're still just making Left notes and, and yeah, staying on knows, top of yeah. everything. Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Unnecessary Roughness podcast. Uh, I'm Dylan, and I'm joined, as always, by Rob and Gareth. How's it going, guys? Hey, Dylan. Hey, Dylan. It's great. It's an absolutely beautiful day over in London. Oh, it's I, stunning. I don't know what the weather's like there in Nashville, but oh, this it's, is... Oh, it's an absolutely London day in Nashville, so it's it's been raining is for that... the past week straight. Oh, right. Okay, oh. I was going to ask what that meant. <laughs> that, that's at least my take on it. Well, well it's an absolutely Nashville day in London, so... <laughs> Country music filling the streets, I'm sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, we're uh, really happy to be coming back to you guys at, as promised, a far faster rate than we've covered during the last year or so. Um, we still, but still, only... but still not a fast rate. We're still, we're still rather slow, but I would say certainly increasing. Um, our last podcast, we previewed the Super Bowl. Um, we were sort of slow to respond to it. I would say that that sense of lethargy might have resulted from the game overall as well as our own schedules. Um, but we do want to very quickly, we have all sorts of off-season news and some really exciting games that we want to dive into later. But we do want to really quickly kind of talk about some takeaways from the game. And I, I guess, you know, since everything's already happened and people are sick of, people were probably sick of watching it by the third quarter or talking about it. But um, I think the first thing that we definitely want to get into is how we feel about these two teams going to the next season. And if we think that anything's changed about how we think about Sean McVay or about the Patriots dynasty or anything like that. Well, I don't think um, it seems like sort of business is normal, really. I don't think a whole lot really changes on the outlook of the Rams. They're still in their Super Bowl window. It wasn't Super Bowl or bust. They have still a fairly sort of young roster. They've got um, still a quarterback and a rookie contract. So I think, in fact, they'll maybe just sort of do the same as they did last year. Like I've, I'd sort of predict them to go pretty hard and be quite active in free agency in the off-season to give themselves the best chance of going back again because it's not going to last forever. I do think it, uh, it, it is the most impressive, I mean, this has been said many times, but I think it's the most impressive uh, Super Bowl win for Bill Belichick from a coaching standpoint. I think what mm. he did is was, was incredible. Uh, and I think Gareth is right that it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily change my view of the Rams, but I was disappointed in in, in Sean McVay. I'll oh, yeah. I'll be honest. I what amazed me really, and quite a lot of been has been made of this. I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, mic'd up uh, stuff from the Super Bowl where uh, McVay is on the sideline before the game, sort of he's he's looking up at the stadium and he's being like, it's just a, a brilliant study in the two coaches. McVay is looking up at the sort of roof. And uh, he's he's saying to his assistant coach, like, wow, what an amazing building. I mean, look at that. And, and that opens and closes, and it's just incredible. <laughs> like, wow. Like, And then, then you see Belichick, and he's also looking up at the roof. And he, he goes, what the hell is this? I thought the roof was going to be shut. Hey, Bill, Bill. And he's, like, shouting at the ref. He's like, Mark, get over. And he's, like, running to the ref. He's like, what the hell, Mark? You told me it was going to be shut. And the ref is like, well, it's open for the flyover. And then we're... 
closing it immediately and it should be closed by kickoff. And Bill's like, should be closed by kickoff? I mean, what does that mean? And it's like, it, it takes eight minutes to close, Bill. There's about seven, eight minutes. And Bill's like, okay, okay. So, and then he's like going on the fly and he's like, well, it might be open for the first 30 seconds, minute of the game. So, so let's, let's kick, let's kick or whatever. Like, and it's just, you know, Bill is just so in his Super Bowl mode. And then McVeigh is sort of looking around, just taking pictures. You know, the whole moment. Um, and, and I think that showed in the game. Uh, it just amazed me. And he, you know, McVeigh is also saying on the, on the mic, he's saying like, oh, God, I wonder what Bill's going to throw at us. And he goes and meets Bill on the, on, a, on the halfway line. And he says, like, it's amazing how you're able to sort of change your identity every week. And then you can see that they obviously didn't know, but but we knew what they were gonna. I mean, I what they did basically, they put six on the line. They played uh, cover four the whole game, take away the outside zone, take away the play action, and throw the offense off rhythm. That's what I'm pretty sure we predicted that in our. I was going to say this is what we just said in our podcast. Yeah, so. and other other writers, you know, were by far not the only ones to to uh, have predicted it. So. You know, Sean McVay, I think, has a great future ahead of him. Of course, that hasn't changed. But I do think we need to uh, set him up with maybe an unnecessary roughness uh, newsletter into his inbox every week to, to help him <laughs> and I guess prepare for some of these teams. The sort of the off-season question around their team will be Todd Gurley as well and what's sort of going on there. Is he... I mean, by the sounds of it, like, CJ Anderson came out and said that he actually was more injured than they thought, which is a bit sort of weird because if they... They knew he was injured, but he wasn't on the injury report. But then, retrospectively, they're saying, oh, yeah, well, I guess he was injured. I mean, he clearly wasn't himself, so that'll be a talking point going forward. But, I mean, he's still the same player, probably. But, yeah, it was, um, obviously, people are saying it was a really dull game. But I think it was exciting. At least it was close. I mean, I still enjoyed it. I thought it was a good enough game. I quite like, I don't really like games. See, I wasn't someone that really loved the double 50 burger in the mid-season, in the regular season. Because I just... It's kind of just numbing. Like you don't. There's not really anything to enjoy. It's like, oh wow, everyone's just constantly scoring. I like a bit of a bit of defense, a bit more grit. Mm. Obviously, this is a bit far the other way, but I thought it was enjoyable so far. Actually, I heard a really great stat, which was that. Uh, let me get this right. From 2007 to 2017, so the previous 10 years before this Super Bowl, only twice had a top two offense been shut out in the first half of the playoffs, and this season the Patriots did it twice. Wow. So the Rams in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs in the championship, they shut out the top two offenses in the first half. And that just sort of, and that's you know the first half when you have your whole playbook ready to go and you know what you're going to do and then that single point that's just insanely impressive. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think Bill Belichick is going to has a very big future ahead of him. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to be a good coach. <laughs> that's our bold prediction for the 2019-2020 yeah. season. Um, <laughs> well, and, and one thing that I do, sort of moving into some of the off-season news we wanted to talk about, I do, I do think, you know, a big thing that, as we've just learned a few days ago, might be changing with the Patriots next year is the situation with Robert Kraft that's just come out. Um, we just sort of want to, like, very quickly touch on this because there's not a lot mm. that's known. Um, and we... He's been a naughty boy. <laughs> well, allegedly, so, and he denies yeah, it. Alleg mm. Yeah, allegedly a naughty He's boy. allegedly been a naughty boy. Um, just to give sort of a recap for, you know, because we do want to provide a news service to anyone who's listening. So if you if you somehow haven't heard about this, um, basically... What Where did we was, land, by the way, on calling our news segment Unnecessary Roughness? Because oh, I, I, I pitched that in our group I, chat I and it seemed to be ignored. Oh, I'm, excuse uh, me, I'll, I'll edit it right now. Un, <laughs> so would it be un-news-a-sorry 
It's, it's, I don't uh, think it matters for the listening public how we spell it. <laughs> I think, I'd like them to see behind the curtain of the process here. I think. I, I, think I just think. Okay. I just think that we should really have a little klaxon, uh, and maybe you can make a note of this, Dylan, for future <laughs> episodes. Some sort of uh, klaxon sound, and then we say it's time for unnecessary roughness. I think that's the sort of. Uh, sort of punnery that our listeners okay, want. Okay, okay, okay. I'll And I'll leave this bit in because I think that it's nice for people to, to see Absolutely. you know us as authentic. Yeah, we're we're, so, yeah, we're learning, we're growing. We're not, we're not all put together and composed. But okay, well then in that case, so uh, the first topic that we want to talk about on unnecessary roughness, and then I'll pause for sound effect in future episodes, uh, is <laughs> is the, um, the report that Robert Kraft was one of 25 people who was involved in an alleged uh, solicitation of uh, prostitution at a day spa in Jupiter, Florida, which is close to where he has a home in Palm Beach um, that he spends a lot of time, as as many many a wow. rich billionaires do. You've done some real digging. Doing um, it I'm just like... reading. The, I'm just reading the nut grab from an ESPN story. But uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I guess very quickly, do we have any thoughts on what this could you know mean for the Patriots next year? Because Rob, as you mentioned off air when we were planning. Um, you know, if if this is sort of taken to the highest level and it, it turns out that it is true, um, he may be forced to step down or, or make some, some different decisions with the team. Yeah, and obviously that's all speculation. We have no idea, but I, I think it's something to watch. And I think possibly it will be a, you know, off-season story that we'll be talking about quite a lot. We'll see what happens. Um, in theory, you know, there is a code of conduct that the NFL has that applies to owners as well as, you know, coaches and players. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head... I remember Jim Irsay was, mm-hmm. uh, was it a DUI or, or something like that? Yeah, that, it was one or two DUIs. Right, yeah. and um, obviously, I mean, he is still the coach of the Colts, and but this alleged crime is obviously a potentially much more serious one, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's always good to have a Patriots in disarray storyline uh, over the offseason, and there normally is one or two, uh, and... Uh, of course, as we know, it normally has no impact on them winning the Super Bowl that season. But, you know, I think this is this year's Patriots in disarray storyline. And, and I guess we'll we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, sort of sort of all the better for them. Um, and I don't mean that to, to make light of this. But but like you said, there's always some sort of controversy. I can easily see a situation where we go to the offseason again, talking ad nauseum about how this will affect them. They come out and start slow. We say, oh, you know, it's it's too late. You know, all the noise is getting to them. And then next year, this time, on what is hopefully not our fifth episode, hopefully we've had a lot more by then, <laughs> we're, we're talking about, um, you know, how they've done it again. Um, which, But speaking of teams that will probably not be playing in the Super Bowl next year, uh, the Broncos uh, made a big personnel change. They uh, acquired quarterback Joe Flacco. Um, it's yet another QB signing for, for John Elway. Um, I guess the, the kind of big things we want to talk about here is, is what do we think the Broncos are going for? What's Elway's mindset? Is this kind of his last shot um, as a GM? Because he's made some really wacky calls as a general manager over the last few years. He has. And there is the narrative that obviously is, is helped by the fact that he was a, quarter, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback himself. Um, that, you know, this, this endless search that he is on for his quarterback. Um, the next Peyton Manning, um, and I think this is just another. I mean, Joe I Flacco mean, has not if, been good for quite Joe a while. Joe Flacco is your, you know, final throw from the midcourt to save your job. It's not really anything to be too. He is obviously a classic Elway quarterback, tall, strong arm, um, you know, and uh, you can see why he he signed here. Look, 
I think he's an upgrade on Case Keenum, probably. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's I think yeah, it's so marginal. Such a sideways move. In my yeah. Mind. Yeah. I just think I just don't. If I was a Broncos fan, I'd. I wouldn't be excited about this in any way at all. Like, yeah. it's maybe a marginal improvement on Case Keenum, but... Well, no one's been excited by Joe Flacco since 2012. <laughs> since, uh, since the last time season. he was playing football in Denver, in fact. Uh, he's, yes, he's The exactly. best moment of his career did come in that stadium. So, so maybe he can uh, re-bottle a bit of the magic. Maybe, but... Uh, I don't think in 12 months' time we'll be talking about how... Gosh, that signing of Flacco was the move <laughs> to save Elway's job. Also, cornerbacks in playing a prevent defense at the end of overtime tend not to go walkabouts quite as much as happened on that miraculous throw. So I think that's a once in a, a decade sort of um, throw. Uh, but it's been almost a decade, so maybe he will have one of those again <laughs> yeah, as, sort of, the, sort of as a, the Broncos quarterback. Yeah, it's like like one of those comets that only passes every 70 years sure. or so. Yeah, um, but okay, well, t- leaning more into players that might actually be more exciting for a team if they get moved to. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of noise about Antonio Brown, um, you know, basically making it clear that, you know, he he's he's kind of fed up with the Steelers organization and wants out of Pittsburgh. Um, what, what do we kind of think could be the situation with Antonio Brown? Um, how is this dissolved so much? And then I guess from there, we might kind of jump into some potential landing spots for him. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one because... Really, you got to think there must be something going on in Pittsburgh with him and Bell and Big Ben sort of falling out. Like, like it just seems like there's some rotten. I mean, I know they're big characters, but still, like the the changing room there just seems to be completely all over the place, and players falling out left, right, and centre. Well, I believe that uh, you know, and I've thought this for a while, but with every passing off season, I mean. That team is a team of divas, like there's no question about that. But you know, Mike Tomlin, he seems to get a free pass every single year. Yeah. I, I just, I don't under, and, he, and he's very fortunate, I think, to be the head coach of a team that that hires a new coach once every thirty years. Because if he wasn't, if 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 he was coaching a team that whose owner had a itchier trigger finger, I mean, we were talk for years. We were talking about the holy trinity of of Big Ben. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, and for those three in that in that That's time to never even have made a Super Bowl, you know, I don't can't remember them being in a championship game even. Is that because it just seems like the script every year uh, for Mike Tomlin Steelers is that the team does not uh, get motivated for for you know week in week out. They will lose some throwaway games at home to the Bengals or <laughs> you know yeah. or those sort of sort of you know games where. You expect them to win by 20 points, and they end up losing. They finish 10 and 6 since when they their talent would really be going 12 and 4. Mm-hmm. And then they go out on the road in the wild card round when they should be, you know, having a bye and and host, and then and then you add into that the egos. I mean, Antonio Brown, you know, he plays for one of the the blue chip NFL franchises, and we've never seen you know something like this, even with the most divary uh, wide receivers. Uh, over the past decade or so, we've never seen anything this crazy. Le'Veon Bell, I mean, I don't blame Le'Veon Bell for, for wanting to, to get his money. I, I think that's completely fine. But I think it's telling that he's sitting out a whole season, uh, which, again, we've never really seen. That happened um, under Mike Tomlin. Big Ben is an asshole. I mean, that's always going to happen. We can all agree on that. But but even so, you've got him criticising your team's draft picks when they draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
You've got him saying he's going to retire after a game just because he feels like it. Uh, it's just the team is a mess, and and they've blown a great extended long Super Bowl window by um, you know by this sort of general lethargy that apparently exists in that building. And I guess that it's a money thing and. Antonio Brown is sort of underpaid for his ability and he will go somewhere and he wants to get loads and loads of guaranteed money, which is kind of fair enough. But what is like the best case scenario here? I don't think there are any really sort of Super Bowl-ready teams that will go after him. He's probably going to go somewhere like the Jets where there's going to be a bit more of a project piece. And is that how he wants to spend like the last two or three years of his career? It seems crazy. And Bell as well, similar. I, I do agree that uh, that he, um, you know, he... he, he did, it's understandable why he sort of sat on everything, although I'm not sure I agree with quoting Martin Luther King. <laughs> I briefly <laughs> heard that. Yeah, yeah. That, so that, that was that when you, a little bit disrespectful. You managed to what was the, what was the context of that exactly? It was the, the, the free, free at last. last. Free at last, yeah. thank God. Dur- free at last. Uh, I see. Well, <laughs> no, but I, think, I do think there is a sort of general rule that once you pass sort of 2,000 yards from scrimmage in a season, you can start quoting Martin Luther King and, and other sort of freedom fighters, isn't it? <laughs> that, p- potentially so. Um, I actually, I strangely have have a bit on this uh, in one of our later news segments as well, but um, un- unusually uh, Martin Luther King is coming up a lot in the NFL lately. Um, but yeah, I, I do understand where you guys are coming from with the teams as well. I mean, Le'Veon Bell has been linked to some some kind of more maybe Super Bowl-ready teams, um, at least in rumors. Teams like the Texans or the Patriots have been floated around. I mean, one thing that I actually will say, I was looking at the odds for where Antonio Brown might land, which, you know, betting odds don't necessarily mean everything, but but actually the third best odds, or actually the second best odds now, is the Colts um, because of how much cap space they have and how they've been seemingly ready to put a bit more around Andrew Luck since he's come back. You know, T.Y. Hilton is a fantastic receiver, but has had some um, kind of tricky injury history. I think a team like the Colts adding Antonio Brown probably becomes a top-tier AFC contender pretty quickly. I mean, are there any other teams that you guys think he could make a splash with? I mean, the Packers have been mentioned as well. Yeah, the Colts make sense. The Colts they have so one, yeah. much money, which is a little bit terrifying for someone who supports a team other than the Colts in the AFC South. And also the Texans, it kind of makes sense as well. They're such a a top-heavy offense where they, both the Colts and the Texans, where they just have an incredible quarterback and wide receiver, not much after that. Um, so they would both make sense. I think the Colts would be, could be serious contenders if they went out and got either Bell or Brown, but I think either of those two would make sense. Then. I think I, uh, the 49ers, I think, are the one that, that I immediately can see Antonio Brown in a 49ers uniform. I think they want to make a splash and put more talent on our offense. Um, I think he'll want to go there. But the thing we sort of forget is that it's not his decision whatsoever. He is a Steelers player, and the Steelers ultimately have to get an offer that they're happy with from a team. Uh, And we don't know what they want. I mean, I wouldn't want my team to give up a first-round draft pick for a 31-year-old receiver, but I think maybe perhaps that's going to be where the Steelers want to begin from. Yeah, it's been interesting. Some people have sort of been... Suggesting he might go for less than that, maybe a second or a third round, in which case, you know, that could be a good deal. But I agree. I wouldn't want my team to give up a first round pick for him. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, he's just too much. Personalities have it. I think it'd be the worst to have him on your team. He'd just be 
a bit of a cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see him going into a locker room like like the 49ers that is trying to establish a culture or you know, some semblance of kind of an identity as a young team and, and, and sort of ruining things there. But uh, he is not the only diva in the NFL, though. Um, and one more, I'm, I'm very sorry to, to use that as a jumping off point because this is quite sad for you potentially, Rob, but there has been a little bit of buzz that Odell Beckham could move. I mean, that's a thing that's always discussed. I, I only want to very quickly touch on this because I think that this is more rumor than actual fact. But what, what are you guys' kind of quick thoughts on the idea that Odell Beckham could be on a different team next year? Well, this has been a sort of storyline. It's just the annual the every might be every year so. that Odell might be traded, and and I agree with you. I think that this particular season, off season, is the least likely to see it happen because we've just given him a huge contract. Um, I, t- I don't, I just don't understand that. Like, surely they can't. I don't understand how cap room. I don't think anyone really understands how cap room <laughs> actually works, but. They would lose a crazy amount yeah, of money. Yeah, we would. Yeah, financially, it would possible. be a ruining decision to make, and it would make our team worse. So it, it's all, <laughs> you know, if we can get multiple first-round picks, then you can begin to see the argument. Uh, we have a lot of holes in our team, and if we can have three first-round picks instead of, of one, and, um, you know, in theory, that makes sense until you take into consideration the money, and then it, it, it that still makes zero sense. Um no, I don't think that will happen. Um, but it, you know, having Odell Beckham in, on your team, if you, as a fan, does is 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 a very sort of delicate tightrope to walk every single off season because there's always new stories, and you know they're not always his fault. This one isn't his fault that uh, you know a, a reporter suggested this and it's generated all this crazy buzz. Yeah, but it was Jake Glazer when he was asked to give. A bold prediction, and it was kind of a throwaway thing, wasn't it? He was. He it's... was. He was asked, "What's your bold off-season prediction?" And he said that. Well, you know, we can have bold off-season predictions too. You're not the only one, Jay Glazer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you know, could we're beyond qualified to guess wildly about the 2019 NFL season, right? Um, and this, this is something that you sort of brought up to us as well, Rob, is that it might be nice for each one of us to give. Um, a bold prediction. Hit uh, me with yours, Dylan. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'll I'll go right off the bat. So um so just to be clear, we're talking about things in the off season for the most part here. Um so we're not necessarily saying you know X Y Z team will make the Super Bowl next year or something like that. So um, mine is draft related, and I think that this will finally be the year that the Patriots make a move on finding a Brady replacement. Um, I think we have a draft with four quarterbacks that go in the first round, and I think the Patriots may make a trade to move up for one of those quarterbacks. Probably not the top two, but I think that they might target Daniel Jones from Duke or Drew Locke from uh, Missouri, who are expected to be the three and four quarterbacks off the board, maybe going in picks, you know, 15 through 20 range at the latest. Um, And I think that, you know, this is almost like a joke to bring up because there was there were you know thoughts that they might draft Lamar Jackson last year, um, and then they they moved up for a pick and then totally ignored him. Um, but I I do think that at some point they have to realize it's time. And this year, as well as most years, they have a ton of assets to make them move. They have twelve draft picks total to work with, so they could easily package something where you know maybe they give a couple of seconds and then swap first to move up. Um, and I could see them moving into the late teens or so and taking one of those uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, I like that prediction. Yeah, good prediction, yeah. I think it's good. I can see it happening. I think uh, if, Dan- if they like Daniel Jones um, and he slips past probably the wash the, the Redskins, mm-hmm. um, then uh, I think everyone will start being on Patriots watch. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a good shout. 
Yeah. I never got that last season. He was never going to go to... Lamar Jackson was never going to go to the Patriots. Could you imagine that? It's just... No. It's such a weird... But, I mean, just Bill Belichick would do it and everyone would fawn over, you know, how... What a great move... I mean, rightly, would fawn over, you know, how he's going to transform this guy into a Hall of Famer so you could see it happening. I mean, Tim Tebow, I guess, was a bridge too far for Belichick, but... Um, so, but I <laughs> think that's that's the line. Although he did, didn't he turn Tebow into a tight end for like a game or two? <laughs> yes, yeah. That? yeah. But, but I think T- Tebow is um, religiously against playing tight end. So he was. Well, Tim Tebow to is religiously against all four. I mean, he is. Well, yes, just, yeah, yeah. There are numerous. You can't say t- the word Tim Tebow without the word religiously. <laughs> he actually, I don't know if you saw that. He apparently was talking about he'd been giving advice to Kyler Murray. Um, about what decision he's going to make, um, you know, the, the football-baseball um, uh, saga. Um, and Tebow said that his advice that he gave Kyler Murray was follow your heart. So oh, well, that's... I'm, sure that, I'm sure that helps <laughs> that's uh, hugely. So, yeah. what, what insight? Um, well, <laughs> um, Gareth, do you want to go ahead with your bold prediction? Sure. And um, bearing in mind I made this prediction all of 30 minutes ago, but um, mine is that the Cardinals will try to move on from Josh Rosen. And I realise that it's not really much of a bold prediction to suggest that someone will try to do Well, something. it's also someone else's bold prediction because... <laughs> well, no, it was still, a but most people dismiss it. But yeah. I, think there's, I think there's real meat to this. Like, it's come from a few different sources and been murmurings of, murmurings of it. And he, it doesn't seem like all is sort of well there. He might not necessarily be a good fit. And in some way whether it's adding putting him on the trade block and trying to get interest for him or at the very least bringing in some major competition in yeah. the quarterback room whether that's drafting or offseason I think they'll make some sort of big move I think that this is a fascinating story to watch as towards the draft and um, you know I don't think there's any doubt that Cliff Kingsbury and some of the you know guys that he's brought in would much rather have Kyler Murray as their quarterback than Josh Rosen the only thing that gives me pause is you know he is uh, a new head coach. Uh, he was not a particularly sought after. He was he was the sort of seventh or eighth next Sean McVay on the next Sean McVay conveyor belt, and the Cardinals picked him up. Uh, you know how much this is a decision that would be taken from the top, and and Cliff Kingsbury is you know he didn't come in. He doesn't have the sway of a sort of general manager head coach type who's been in a building for ten years. Um, but if it were up to him. I think you'd absolutely see Kyler Murray as a, a cardinal. And if that did happen, as a Giants fan, I would love the Giants to to take a look at throwing a throwing a second round pick for Josh Rosen if we can get that. That'd I think so it's, yeah. you're getting a first round talent uh, a year later for potentially that'd be crazy because he was so linked to Giants at one point, and if yeah. sort of a year later it all came. You could end up with Saquon Barkley and Josh Rosen, which. <laughs> One year ago, right now, was was we were deciding between Saquon Barkley or Josh Rosen. So, uh, you know, that would be that would be pretty remarkable. But I'm skeptical. <laughs> well, it sounds like that's almost a bold prediction in of itself. But but I know that's probably not what you meant to be your bold prediction, Rob. What what do you have for well, the actually, season? Funnily enough, my my offseason bold prediction was that Robert Kraft would be charged with soliciting a prostitute, <laughs> but I have to I had to change it last night because that actually happened. Oh, well so played, my yeah. my uh, backup bold prediction is that Le'Veon Bell is not going to get the free agency uh, buzz that he is hoping for and expecting. I think he won't be signed until after the draft. I think he's gonna. 
I think it will be a mixture of two things because I think he's going to be quite selective about the team he wants to go to. But I also think, you know, we spent the last few months talking about the devaluation of the running back position and how CJ Anderson can come in for Todd Gurley. Well, this is a really interesting test case of of how teams currently are viewing running backs. Um, I think think we're going to be waiting for Le'Veon Bell to get picked up and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think he's, you know, maybe going to sign in sort of around training camp sort of time for a team. Probably still get a decent contract, but uh, I think the Le'Veon Bell buzz is going to be sort of a delayed saga rather than an instant, one of the initial free agent big moves. I do agree that the value of running backs really has sort of been shown for what it is, but at the same time, he is probably the best running back in the league when he was playing all the time he's only 26 so that's got to be so enticing for some team like that so I still think he will get paid probably. I could believe that he was only 26 I had in my mind that he was 29 or so it just feels like he's been around for so long but yeah he's young and he'll be fresh and he's had a whole year out so he's basically 25 <laughs> well exactly <laughs> but he was drafted quite early so he's also basically 27 oh God. Mm. So it's tricky to make sense of how old yeah. Logan Bell really is. I'm sure these are the questions that uh, teams are debating in, in in their in their offices as we speak. <laughs> how, so how old is he really? Yeah, <laughs> it all comes down to this. Um, well, uh, we had two more news items that I think we wanted to quickly jump through before we get into some of these uh, games and features that we we want to try out. Um, one thing I know, Rob, you said that you you've become a bit enamored with the AAF uh, recently. Just oh, the app. Yeah, that, the yeah, app, yeah, yeah, the app as they call the it. App. Yeah, is, uh, I mean, you know, enamored is a strong word. I have watched highlights of uh, a couple of AF games. Okay. Um, and uh, and that is the extent of it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's uh, so. But it, it it looks like fun league, and it's more football, and and the you know, it's not a ridiculous sort of XFL sort of sort of arena football style mm. like over the top scoring. It's it's you know players have you who. A team yet? No, I have not picked a team. Uh, have you, you guys picked a team? Win, then. Well, I, I sort of before it all started, I I chose the Memphis Express because the sort of the Tennessee link, and there are a few sort of ex Titans around, and yeah, Christian Hackenberg is the quarterback. Um, which again, I've sort of blown the chance to choose your team, and I've chosen one that apparently looked awful, they <laughs> dreadful in their two games, so. That'll just be my life for another sport. What stuns me? I'm looking currently at the logos of the AF teams. They are atrocious. Yeah. I mean, they <laughs> look, look like they were designed design, yeah. on Microsoft Paint in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I cannot. Some of the uniforms as well. I cannot believe how terrible these logos are. Mm. I oh, mean, the oh. Atlanta Legends. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I assume that's your team. Yeah, let me for one second defend since, since I. I I have established the Atlanta Legends by default as my team, but the logo notwithstanding, I actually do think that there are a lot of reasons to support the Atlanta Legends. Um, One thing is that their quarterback is Aaron Murray, who came from the University of Georgia, the same school that I graduated from. Um, They also have player rights uh, because actually, which one thing I actually do find quite interesting is that um, each team, there are eight teams currently, so I'm sure if they add more, they'll divide this up differently. But each team has player rights over certain NFL and uh, college-level teams. So they actually have the rights to most players from the schools in the area that I grew up and went to school. Um, so any player that I was a fan of watching in college will most likely 
play for the Atlanta Legends if they, if they don't make the NFL and they choose to. Um, and, and, and you did it. They presumably have rights over you. Yes, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Theoretically, if I were to uh, make it in the um, AAF, it would be with the Atlanta Legends and their horrible purple logo. Um, I will say, though, I'm happy to have an infusion of new color into the Atlanta sports realm, you know, um, we use black and red for everything. So purple and gold is a, is a nice little change. Um, and the other thing, this is actually what I was hinting at earlier about the Martin Luther King connection, but apparently the name Atlanta legends is supposed to be some sort of ode to Atlanta civil rights leaders. I have never heard uh, civil rights leaders referred to the as legend. the legends. Um, I mean, certainly <laughs> they, there are numerous that are legendary in you know what they what they did for the country. Um, but apparently, it's supposed to be paying homage to uh, some of these historic. Yeah, Georgia they're not Georgia. like the Rat Pack. Like they don't have a collective no, name. No, <laughs> I, I don't think so. But but yeah, so I, I find that to be a bit of a loose connection. But I do think it's a nice thought to say that that's. Um, that's something that they're trying to shout out. I mean, Rob, can we convince you to pick a team at least on the fly here, maybe based well, on the logo or the name? Or so, I like the idea of of the San Diego Fleet because mm-hmm. they probably have the least bad logo uh, in the league, uh, and also the people of San Diego deserve a yeah. football team. Uh, so I, I however, uh, I don't recognize the names of any of their quarterbacks so i'm not particularly interested in them mm-hmm. um i recognize i recognize josh woodrum's name from somewhere for okay. the uh, salt lake stallions mm. um <laughs> but um i think my team probably and this is really on the fly but the orlando apollos Ooh. Oh, orlando? orlando i mean oh. who wants to go to orlando oh, I mean, yeah. maybe not but they've got a guy with a bow on their helmet which is kind of cool uh, they have Garrett Gilbert, who was drafted in the sixth round by the Rams. Uh, he's thrown three passes in the NFL, two completions. It's a pretty good completion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. It? Great, yeah, great. Um, uh, and, you know, a quarterback with, you know, the least quarterback name in the world, Garrett <laughs> Gilbert. I mean, it's it's hard not to root for an underdog like that. Garrett. Oh. Garrett Gilbert. He's, I mean... Justin, it's good. Justin Herbert comes close Justin in terms Herbert, of quarterbacks he? with non-quarterback <laughs> names, like accountant names. But you know, I root for Garrett Gilbert and the uh, Orlando Apollos. I think. Wow, that's pretty. That's breaking news, then, isn't it? That's it is. Mm-hmm. That is just in, and I think that concludes unnecessary roughness. So, uh, <laughs> okay, that's a good, right. uh, good way to. <laughs> yeah. However, Dylan, I noticed on the planning doc. Um, there's a little addition that you put in, Dylan's AAF party oh. story, <laughs> oh, and yeah. I simply have to hear that. I forgot I forgot about that. So um, I, I just want to give a little bit of, uh, sort of paint the picture of what the AAF fan culture is like to the, to the limited extent of my knowledge. So I was at a sports bar in Atlanta last weekend. Um, I was not there to watch an Atlanta Legends game. I was there to watch uh, the NBA All-Star game. Um, but I found myself in the middle of, I guess, what had been turned into an Atlanta Legends sports bar. Um, so they had a party with all these people wearing sort of, uh, purple, you know, their, their purple jerseys and they had a guy in a microphone and they were doing a raffle. Um, and it, it, it sort of obnoxiously took over the entire restaurant at this, at this sports bar that I've been going to basically my entire life. Um, and one thing that my friends and I sort of noticed is we thought, you know, I don't want to sound... They're, they're, you know, I don't, I don't want to be spreading this any of this sort of fake protester uh, nonsense. But it did seem like maybe they were, they were like paid to be there um, because it, it, it uh, appears. Yeah, wow. Yeah. No, so I, I, we have a conspiracy theorist on the call. I, I didn't notice some of the crowds for the app. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to comment on the on the crowd size, but um, I I um, the the reason that I, I do think there's some evidence to back this up. It just seemed as though these fans had never watched a football game before <laughs> in their life. Um, so they were cheering for like very strange occurrences. Um, like people got out of their seats when the first time they got a first down, they stood up and applauded. For, for a first down right. um and there were times where they would sort of be cheering when like a penalty had been called but not resolved yet uh they, they, it, it seemed like they just thought that anytime that something happened they were just supposed to clap um and it was really annoying to my friends and i who were trying to watch like a normal sport as normal fans um so i, I can't speak to every af fan but that's my experience with them thus far Wow. Okay. So we have it here first. AAF fans are the worst. Yes. Yeah. 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 You heard sports. it. Yeah. Breaking unnecessary roughness. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, okay. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say very briefly, and we haven't all prepared for this segment, so I'm only going to ask you because you're the only one who would have because you're very diligent, Dylan. <laughs> Thank you. You're the GM of an NFL team, and you can take one player. Uh, or you can you can root for one player to be picked up by an NFL team. You you're you're saying take a chance on this guy. Uh, who's your guy? Okay, so uh, yes, uh, very. And this true. segment, by the way, is called "Take a Chance on Me," the <laughs> AAF edition. <laughs> There's the theme music. It's is this a one-time thing. Well, it might come back, or we might do Take a Chance on Me Free Agents. Yeah. Take a Chance on Me Draft. Or uh, Undrafted Free Agents, maybe. Yeah. This is wonderful. Be, yeah, there'll be lots of chances to take a chance this offseason, right? Yeah. Right. Um, that was the theme music. Okay. That was ABBA, by the way. I don't uh, know if you have ABBA in America. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're familiar. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Dancing Queen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I know. Um, yeah, but tr- yeah, true to form, I had prepared for this game. Um, the, the person that I think an NFL GM should take a chance on is someone who actually has a decent bit of experience in the NFL. Um, and that is running back Matt Asiata formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, now playing in the AAF. Um, but first of all, when I say the name Matt Asiata, if you're familiar with his work, you might think, wait a minute, Matt Asiata is at least 45 years old. But it turns out he's actually only 31. And he has had some surprisingly successful games for the Vikings. He was there during the Adrian Peterson years um, and played some heavy some heavy reps during those uh, those seasons where Adrian Peterson was in and out with injuries. Um, and he actually has some pretty weird claim to fame. He scored his three triple touchdown games in his career, which is something that not a lot of players have ever accomplished in one game, let alone in three games. Um, and his yards per carry is really bad. But if I'm an NFL GM, I'm looking at this stat and I'm, I'm sold immediately signing him to a minimum contract. He started... I... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I vividly remember Matt Asiata having the weirdest stat lines. It would be like like 13 attempts for 22 yards and three touchdowns. Yes. And he was just, uh, it's sort of insane. Uh, he would only run for three yards ever. So if you were, were if you had first and goal at the two, he would score you a touchdown. But if it's first and 10, he would make it second and seven. And that was just all he did. Exactly. It's 100% guaranteed. And, you know, so few things are guaranteed in the NFL these days. I just think you should take a chance on Matt Asiata. Uh, do you guys, do either of you guys have any off the top of your head AAF players do you think the NFL should take a chance on? 
Uh, Akron Wadley is running back out of um, Iowa, who's who plays for the Atlanta Legends. He um he was an undrafted agent that signed for the Titans, uh, this last season, and he was like one of our biggest sort of um free agent signed uh, undrafted signings. He was like really well picked to make the roster, and there was quite a buzz around him in training camp. He didn't quite make the roster, but he's done pretty well, I think, so far in the AF. He he's a real sort of do it all running back. He's very, he's more better of a receiver really than he is as a as a running back itself. But he's I think he's like leading Atlanta in receiving yards and rushing yards. So Akron Wadley. Akron Wadley. So maybe he'd be one. Maybe so. he'll waddle his way into a training camp. <laughs> well, it was thought that after he got cut by the Titans, he he, he was on the practice squad for a while, and it was kind of I was a bit surprised that no one took a chance on him. So maybe this time. Take a be. chance on Akron Wadley, NFL GMs. And oh, that concludes <laughs> this. Round of, of take, take a, a chance, chance on, on me. me. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me just pull oh, up yep. Spotify. Okay, there we go. So, oh, lovely. Okay, so the next segment that uh, I I know we want to dive into, and I'm sure hoping also comes built in with its own theme music, uh, is a little uh, special that we want to call Garrett's Weird Rules or. Garrus, weird rule corner, or I guess I'll give you ownership of this, Gareth. Why don't you sort of explain it to us and uh, and tell us what, what we're going to do this week? Yes, well, uh, this is a segment I get all to myself. This is my bit. I only ask for one little bit. I don't ask for much. Um, and I'm basically going to take you into some of the stranger rules and scenarios in NFL history using case studies as examples. I can't wait. And I spent my morning preparing a little sound bite, which is going to be the theme song. And I'm going to call this segment, Are You Kidding Me? And actually, another little game which I just thought now we could play was can you name the sporting moments in uh, the soundbite? Well, certainly there was Odell's catch with Chris Collinsworth in there a yeah, couple of times. Yeah, there's Odell's catch. This is sick. Put this to music. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, NFL commentators say, are you kidding me about 45 times a game? So it really could be anything. Well, maybe we'll have to put this back on the side and... That. But that, I mean, wow. Yeah, okay, well, anyway. Just an unbelievable cutting job there. <laughs> right, so, um, so yeah, this segment is going to be about sort of weird rules in the NFL. Um, and so this is the first one, which is an is a event that happened in Thanksgiving 2010, okay? New Orleans at Dallas. The Cowboys are down 23-20 with 11 minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Quarterback John Kittner and running back Marion Barber march them down the field all the way to the Saints 35. They fail to convert on third and four, which brings up an interesting fourth down. And newly appointed interim head coach Jason Garrett, he'd only been in the job about two weeks, makes the sort of ballsy decisions now famous for and elects to punt. But it's, it's on the Saints 35, so it's right on the sort of cusp of field goal range, and that's kind of important. Um, Pro Bowl punter... Matt, uh, Matt McBriar, McBriar, Matt McBriar, who is Australian, okay. incidentally, he was born in Melbourne, okay. uh, comes onto the field and they line up to punt. But look out! 
A botch snap means the ball bobbles out of McBride's hands and he has to abort the punt. But what does he do instead? That's my first question. What do you think happened next? So what do I need to be taking into consideration here? What, the first is what do you think happened next? So he bobbles the snap. So the yeah. snap hits it, the ball hits his hand, yeah. but he can't catch it. Can you tell me what direction the ball it bobbles? It bobbles in? forwards. As in towards the line of scrimmage. Yeah. What happens next? Does the ball bounce beyond the line of scrimmage, beyond the line to gain, and then is touched by a cowboy resulting in a cowboy's first down? <laughs> no. Okay. That would have been interesting though. Dylan, do you have any guesses? Whew, I I really don't. This is a tough one. I'm, I might just have to be along for the ride here. Mm. Well, um, what actually happens is that he attempts a drop kick. Now, I'm going to go through some hypothetical scenarios. Firstly, if he had been successful and he had drop kicked the ball through the goalposts, so it bounced once and he kicked the ball through the goalposts, what would be the ruling? It would be three points because you can kick field goals with a drop kick, I think, maybe. Um, maybe I, I, would say, I would say that it would be a, a touch. Maybe. Yeah, a, yeah touch is it a touchback? Is it a touchback? Touchdown? Rob, you actually write the first one. You can score a drop kick. It's a weird sort of lesser known rule that you can, like, very similar to rugby, you can drop kick the ball through the post. It's the same as a field goal. It, be, it counts as... Three points. That is because I, I do remember, uh, well, this season, in fact, the Seahawks had an Australian punter who would drop kick some kickoffs, but I thought. Yeah, you could, that's I the other thing. I didn't realise that could is be that you done. Can, you can a... drop kick kickoffs and it's the same as a normal kickoff. And I do remember the, the Patriots, they had a kicker who was retiring and they let him drop kick. Yeah, that was another thing. Yeah, I was going to come on to that. Oh, sort of eh, it's fine. <laughs> um, okay, and now what, what do you think would happen if he'd missed the drop kick? So it sort of goes out the back of the end zone, but not through the... Yeah. Then it's a touchback? But then wouldn't it just be a missed field goal? Yeah, it's effectively a missed field goal. Well, you oh. gave that away. So <laughs> if it's a scored field yeah. goal. Um, but in fact, neither of those things happened because fact is stranger than fiction in this example because the ball slipped as he went for the drop kick and actually bounced several times before he kicked it. The kick did not go through the goalpost, but instead landed well short and was recovered by Saints Corner. So he's sort of running along after a bouncing ball and just... The ball bounces several times and then he manages to kick it. But it lands short and is recovered by the Saints Corner on their own 14-yard line. What is the ruling? Saints first down? Should it... The game is, the game is postponed. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly, the... Oh, sorry, Dylan, do you want to have a go well, at guessing? I, I guess I guess my only other guess would be that if you're allowed to score a field goal from the position of the drop kick... Actually, no, I have no idea. This is, this is really no, tough. The Saints are awarded the, that year's Super Bowl, if that happens. Is that, I think, it's <laughs> Stop like, mocking really, my really, segment. <laughs> it's a really obscure um, part of the rule book. Well, in fact, the, the referees apparently were a bit confused as what happened here as well, because initially it was ruled a fumble, um, which is just that... You know, the kick, the punter fumbled the ball and the Saints get it back. But that was then changed to a rule which is called an illegal kick. Because basically it would have been a missed field goal, but because the ball bounced several times, that uh, that's an illegal drop goal. You can't, can't bounce several times and then you kick it. Um, do you know what the penalty is for an illegal kick? 
death. <laughs> Correct. No, it's a loss of five yards, but no loss of downs. So New Orleans elected to, to decline the illegal kick penalty and took over on fum- and took the fumble recovery on their own 14-yard line. I need to see a video of this play. I well, that's the other thing. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find a video anywhere, and the highlight video on NFL got taken down. The link was broken, so I couldn't actually find a video of it. Well, that's so wow. it was a punt, and a punter... So this play was doesn't exist snap. anywhere except in our memories, <laughs> and we just have to imagine. And it was a dodgy snap, and so he lost the ball. It bounced several times. He then went for a drop kick, but because it bounced several times, it got ruled a fumble recovery. Well, it was an illegal kick, which was declined and a fumble recovery. But yeah, so the drop kick was often used in early gridiron football as a surprise tactic. The ball would be snapped or lateral to a back who would then run a fake or would run a pass, uh, would fake to run a pass or run and instead would kick the field goal effectively with a drop kick. This method of scoring worked really well in the 20s and 30s because uh, the football was a lot round at the end, it's a bit similar to a rugby ball. But in 1934, the ball became more pointed, like it is now, which to make passing easier and effectively made drop kicks um, impossible, sort of not useful at all. Um, the last successful drop kick in the NFL was executed by Scooter McLean <laughs> of the Chicago Bears in the 37-9 victory over the Giants. On December twenty first, nineteen forty one, in the NFL Championship game. Wow! And then, like you said, there was also a drop kick, um, which Patriots backup quarterback Doug Flutie did as an extra point after a touchdown, which was a bit of a novelty, just sort of thing, because it was his last game. Mm. Um, and he he made it, didn't he? Yeah. Which some people thought was a bit sort of disrespectful to the Dolphins, whatever. But well, you could be disrespectful to the Dolphins. Let me know. <laughs> so yeah, so that and and like you said, drop kicks can also be used for kickoffs or for um, field goals or extra points. And that is... was the first segment of. Are you kidding me? That was an incredibly well researched. Uh, and then segment. we could do the, the production values, yeah. as we've already mentioned, were unbelievable and i'm really looking forward to more are you kidding me's in the future yeah very excellent excellent presentation excellent research um i'm sure that being said rob is is incredibly keen to try to top that with his segment um and, and we'll see oh and you... top it i will okay well, well top rob, it, i will why, do why don't you introduce us to the last thing we want to do on today's episode which is a segment that uh, i believe you are going to be calling wheel of quarterbacks wheel oh Quarterbacks, correct, yes. I am. Uh, I have spent the last weeks, few weeks, in my uh, basement uh, making a very intricate wheel uh, of quarterbacks. Now, you might be wondering, what is wheel of quarterbacks? And what does this wheel look like? Well, you can't see the wheel, obviously, because it is a podcast. But... Uh, but I personally see the wheel, and I'd like to say it's a thing of beauty and amazement. So, welcome to Wheel of Quarterbacks, Dylan it's and it's Gareth. Of, it's sort of red and gold with with buttons all around it and frills coming off the side. Gareth, what do you do? What, what do I do? What, what, what is your line of work? <laughs> My line of work is a wheel designer. Gareth is a uh, wheel designer from Wales. Dylan uh, is... A a uh, journalist from Tennessee, <laughs> Dylan Gareth. Welcome to Wheel of Quarterbacks. 
We, uh, you'll notice I'm playing a lot of uh, trademarked music in this episode, and obviously once people start listening to our podcast, we'll have to start paying for this, but for the time being, I'm sort of making, I'm taking advantage of our, this is the Wheel of Fortune theme song, for anyone who's not aware. So, come on down, Dylan and Gareth, and uh, stand by the Wheel of Quarterbacks, if you will. And just, just stand there by the big wheel, please. Okay. And uh, but be careful, don't because it, it has sharp edges. So Dylan, don't touch it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So uh, we are we are here to play wheel of quarterbacks Can you now. Explain what. Yes, on my wheel <laughs> is that are a number of quarterbacks. These quarterbacks have faced uncertain futures for various reasons. Um, they are. They are either uh, free agents, or they are trade uh, candidates, or they are draft prospects. And uh, as you know, we also have a few teams in the NFL who are quarterback needy. I'm going to spin the wheel of quarterbacks. It's going to give us a name of a quarterback, and the three of us are going to reveal which team we've matched that quarterback with for the 2019 Season. The quarterbacks on the wheel are Blake Bortles, Teddy Bridgewater, Nick Foles, Case Keenum, Eli Manning, Ryan Tannehill, Tyrod Taylor, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, and Drew Locke. Not on the wheel are quarterbacks like Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, um, but if you think that Josh Rosen, but if you think some of those quarterbacks might be playing for different teams next season, then, uh, then do let me know. Obviously, it's too late for them to be included in this week's wheel, but I'm sure we can make a sort of smaller wheel next week but anyway <laughs> let's uh let's kick things off please um with i am about to spin the wheel for the first time and it is about to give us our first quarterback so There we go. Uh, we might have to speak. I might not. The first name out of the hat is, uh, or, or off the wheel, we should say, is uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, boys, reveal your teams for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, uh, shall I go first? Sure. Go okay. Um, I went with Miami. Mostly because okay, they specialise okay, in okay. injury-prone quarterbacks who have questionable ability. Uh, I also had someone else on this. I can't remember who it was. But I think uh, Miami is a sort of logical fit. They need a quarterback, really. Tannehill isn't the sort of long-term solution in any sort of way. Bridgewater is someone you can sort of take a chance on. But also, if he's no good, it doesn't really care because they'll be tanking next year anyway and they're going to probably take the best quarterback of the draft in 2020. Um, okay, so... I'll, I'll go next, I guess. Um, I picked a different team in Florida for very similar reasons, uh, and I said that Teddy Bridgewater would be the starting quarterback for the Jaguars next year. Wow. Yeah. Um, Tell us about it, Dylan. That's well, interesting. Tell us. <laughs> mainly because uh, I think that the Jaguars have shown a propensity to not sell out on quarterbacks in the draft. They continuously draft defensive pieces, but they are clearly looking to move on from Blake Bortles, and I think that some in their office might believe that if they can put the right game manager around what is still an incredibly strong defense and hopefully an improved run game again next year, that they can make a playoff run. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a starting quarterback next season. I think he's going to be a top-end backup, a good yeah. competition guy. Uh, but 
he's a guy, he hasn't played football for three years, apart from a game at the end of this season, which he didn't play well. I don't really think his arm was ever that strong before his, his injury. I'm rooting for the guy, obviously, because he's, he's had a really tough go of it. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the backup quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Interesting. Sit, sit wow. there behind Cam Newton. Cam Newton with his bum shoulder. Who knows how well more. he'll be throwing the ball. Uh, he is obviously not as physical or as much of a running threat as Cam Newton, but he's 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 mobile, uh, he's agile. You don't have to change the offense up uh, too much if he comes in. Certainly not as much as you did when Derek Anderson was the guy, and then they were happy with him as the backup. So, um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, welcome to the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> and well, I mean, you know, that's just my prediction. No one obviously wins this game. This is this. Yeah, is I think we need to. We need to. Yeah, we can't all have a massive. Um, no, we can't. We are, we're going to, uh, to speed it up, but uh, let's spin the wheel again. Oh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the woman is frozen, but she would have said... Nick Foles. Oh. Nick Foles. There we go, Nick Foles. So, um, Nick Foles, welcome to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just makes too much sense. It just makes too much sense. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he has the connections at the Jags. Uh, they, they, the Jags are not in prime position to get the best quarterback in the draft. Uh, rather than trading up to jump the Giants, uh, I think they're going to be spending some of their money and bringing Nick Foles to the Sunshine State. Okay, um, I'll go next. Um, I think that Nick Foles will be competing for a job on the Washington Redskins next year. Wow. Um, mainly, wow. Fascinating. <laughs> mainly because I believe that uh, the Redskins might perceive the situation that they could gamble on a quarterback if they're going to gamble, as opposed to with a high draft pick. They could do that um, with a you know a low end draft pick to make a trade for Foles. Um, they certainly need to improve their quarterback situation, but I don't know if they're a hundred percent ready to move Alex Smith. So I think we might get some sort of you know coach speak in the offseason where they're talking about you know the best guy is going to earn the job, and then ultimately Nick Foles wins out. Yeah, I I, I was kind of hoping that you would both say the Jaguars and I'd come in and drop a big. Redskins bombshell. And oh, sorry. You'll be like, no. what? Because I also, because I, I, everyone's just, it makes too much <laughs> sense for them him to go to the Jaguars and everyone's sort of already assuming he'll go there. But I don't, it comes back to, I don't understand cap room because the Jaguars have no money. They'd have to cut so much, save so much money to be able to afford to take the fairly sizable contract that you'd assume that Nick Foles is going to get. Like he's presumably going to get what sort of fifteen million or so. Like I don't know where that's going to come from because they have no money. Like they're in the red at the moment. Well, they'll have to, a lot of big contracts on the defense that, that they might um, feel. Over the cap, they're like minus two million or something. Yeah, that's not enough. Nick Foles is going <laughs> to he's going to cost more than want to negative two million, million to pay for the Jaguars. <laughs> um, uh, so I don't get it. And I, yeah, I think Washington makes more sense. And it's kind of a good fun storyline as well to go to another team in the NFC East. Um, so that'd be a sort of fun little thing. So yeah. I mean, he would have to be a free agent because they wouldn't trade him. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's the thing is I think that he's already bought up his constantly. So I think that he'll um, he'll become a free agent, then he'll go to the Redskins. Ian 
Eli Manning oh, will no. be the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. He'll still be the Giants, I believe. Yeah. Are we I, in agreement? We're all in agreement on that one, thankfully for well, you. Well, let's go along. He'll definitely, I think he'll almost certainly be starting week one. But yes, he won't be anywhere else without yet. a doubt. I'm kind of surprised you put that one in. It's always kind of... <laughs> well... Okay, it's Dwayne Haskins. Where's he going, Gareth? Um, hang on, I have to get the so, Um, oh well, I also said the Giants. So did I. God, we've got an advert, mate. <laughs> oh no. So uh, yeah, I also. Uh, so did I. So did I. But uh, I, I don't think it's as nailed on as as the mock drafts will have you believe. I think no, Dave I... Gettleman might be seduced by a big body D line uh, player. I can see that happening. But I think if you try again with. Eli Manning's corpse. I think it's just kind of another throwaway year, which I think is a bit of a disappointment. I think it's going to happen. I think the Giants will draft a first-round quarterback, and he will sit behind Eli Manning for a year. Uh, again, we I talked about the the Jags making too much sense for Nick Foles. I guess this one makes too much sense. As sad as it is to think about uh, Eli Manning leaving the Giants, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Like he's a Jersey boy. He he grew up supporting. The Giants grew up watching Eli Manning uh, as a really fan, as a child. There. He really wants to go there. If uh, the Chargers draft so... him, he'll probably have a hissy fit. So that <laughs> he ends up going to the Giants or something. Well, uh, so Dwayne, welcome to the New York Giants. And probably welcome to Hard Knocks, if that happens, because inevitably the Giants will be on Hard Knocks. Uh, okay. Oh, Dylan, I didn't even ask you, but I'm assuming you have Dwayne Haskins to the Giants. Yes, all the same, as a backup. Wow. As a backup. Um, right. Round round it goes. Maybe never stop saying twice, actually. Hmm. Alright, Daniel Jones has come up on the wheel. Mm. Um, well, I'll... Where's he, yeah, go ahead. Where's he going to then? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, well, I sort of hedge my bets here. Um, I, I didn't know that I would, I would be forced to kind of play all my cards on these, but I actually said that he was going to the Redskins as well. I could see. Me too. Oh, okay, wonderful. Yeah, I, I could see a different scenario where where they do, um, you know, make a move and just draft a rookie and, and let him play it out as the starter at the beginning of the season. And I think Daniel Jones would be that guy. Yeah, I mean they're they're not a quarterback away from competing. No. So, uh, and they may as well um, if they like Daniel Jones, which I think they I think they will. I mean, people love the fact that he was coached by David Cutliffe, uh, Coach Cut, uh, as he's known. Um, uh, so I think it, it makes a lot of sense. But I do I don't think that will be the only quarterback that the Redskins acquire this season, mm. not to give away a future mm. future. Um, well, I sort of jumped on Dylan's bold prediction, and I went for the Patriots. Oh, it just like you said, they've got loads of picks. They've got like six picks in the top hundred or something like that. And um, I mean, some people have Daniel Jones down as the best quarterback in this. Class and it just kind of seems like that will be some jammy Patriots nonsense where somehow he sort of falls out of the top eight or ten and then they manage to trade up and get this superstar who ends up being the best of the class. Yeah, that that, that will happen, won't it? How annoying. <laughs> Wow, 
Kyler Murray has just appeared on the wheel. Oh wow! Mm. This is uh, this is the one we're all excited about, really, isn't he? I mean, we're going to be hearing a lot about him. Mm-hmm. Gareth, where's Kyler Murray going? Uh, I went with Jacksonville, and this this hurts me a bit because I really like the look of Kyler Murray. I think he's really exciting. He's super, super, super talented, uh, and I think it will just fall into the right place where when Jacksonville are picking, he will make sense. They'll maybe even sort of move up a couple of places. And although, yeah, it hurts me, I think they'll get probably the most exciting quarterback in the class. So I've got him going to the Dolphins, uh, but I think they'll have to trade up, and I'm not sure what their pick situation is. Uh, I know they picked 12, 13, somewhere around there in the first round, but I don't know. Uh, But I I think, you know, the Dolphins love these sort of big, splashy names. Um, I think that they're uh, such a boring and uh, sort of... uh, dumpster fire rebuilding team this season but uh, but I don't think it's never been the way um, of the Dolphins ownership to uh, uh, to sort of go on a big two three year rebuild they want big names they want the stars um, and I think Kyler Murray at least makes the rebuild probably the most exciting rebuild uh, in recent uh, memory a bit you know, I think he's going to go high. I think we we were talking last this time last year. I mean, there was a genuine question whether Baker Mayfield was a top ten pick or, or a first round pick mm. because of his height. Um, and I think a similar thing will happen with Kyle Murray and end up going high. But there does have to be a line. I mean, the guy is four foot eleven or something. I mean, there has to be a line somewhere where teams just say that is too little. You can't you can't go on this ride. I'm sorry, like you cannot be a quarterback, but I guess, uh, I, I mean, he's going to go high, isn't he? So, so I guess the line is not 5'9". I guess it's somewhere even, somewhere even lower than that. You can see him sort of putting on a show at the Combine or something and then people falling in love with him and stop rising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where's he going, Dylan? Uh, well, I actually kind of stepped on Gareth's bow prediction here, ironically, uh, and I had him going to the Cardinals. Um, they're a team that would mm. not have to trade up like, like the Dolphins or Jags might. And um, I, he's been linked sort of heavily to um, Cliff Kingsbury, um, as somebody that he might like to head up his offense, and I could really see them going ahead and choosing to move on from Rosen. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I hate Matt. That's but... the wrong. Uh, that's the wrong video. Oh wow! So, uh, <laughs> the, well, the wheel is having technical problems, oh, but yeah. I can see that the name that would have come up is Case Keenum. Okay. And I'm sending Case Keenum to the Redskins as the starting quarterback while Daniel Jones develops under him and takes over probably in about week six or eight. Well, uh, I have him staying at Denver and competing with Flacco for starting jobs. Same here. Dylan, where's he going? I have him wow. staying, in, staying with the Broncos. Well, that dovetails quite well onto uh, the next name on the board, Drew Locke. I have him going to the Broncos in mm. uh, pick nine or wherever the Broncos I also am going to Denver. Well, how many quarterbacks are you giving to Denver? Uh, I'm having lots. <laughs> 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 I think uh, I think that would almost be too many. I, I know John Elway. Is someone who Dylan, you probably don't know this, but on Rob's Madden franchise, you started the off season. Was it six quarterbacks on your roster after Eli retired? Yeah, I did. So oh Eli Manning goodness. retired on my Eli Manning retired after beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl for the third time in his career. His actual <laughs> his last ever play uh, in the NFL was with 12 seconds to go, Giants down needing a touchdown, third and goal, uh, but we don't have a timeout, so it could be the last play. 
We're on the Patriots' one-yard line. We need a touchdown. There's 12 seconds to go, and Eli sneaks it for a touchdown. <laughs> and that's his last. That's his last play oh. in football in my franchise mode. Wow, and, what, and a play scoring that a touchdown to win the Super Bowl. his career. Exactly. He made a career on rushing touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, we we will see if history repeats itself in in real life. But uh, who were we talking about? He's going to the Broncos. Yeah. He's going to the Broncos. I mean, come on. He's six foot five or something. He's yeah. tall. He's got a yeah, crazy say, yeah, strong arm. Come on. John Elway is picking Drew Locke. I mean, yes, Flacco makes it maybe slightly less likely, but come on. He's going to the Broncos. It's it's Paxton Lynch 2.0. He's, he's, John Elway is just going to take another swing. Mm. See, okay, well, I'll actually get to defect from you guys here. And this, as opposed to Daniel Jones, this was my pick for the Patriots. I think that they, they make enough moves to get up for Drew Locke um, and let him sit behind Brady. It might for... take a lot of moves, though, won't it? Um, yes, it, it would. It, it would take some significant trades, but they, they definitely have the assets to do so if they wanted to. And I, I also just wanted to do something a bit different than saying Daniel Jones because he's been the one who's been more linked to them. Right, Ryan Tannehill. All right, man. You think he's staying in Miami? I think yeah. he's gone for sure. Um, okay. Oh, well, oh, see, now I've done the same thing with the well, Redskins. Oh, go ahead. Well, Gareth sounds sad that I I know, not so at all. Uh, I should, well, aggressively. Just, but, uh, uh, no, I, I didn't think about this one that much. His contract's out though, isn't it? So he'd have to... No, I think they have to cut him, but I think they just want to move on, uh, don't they? I'm not, I'm not completely sure what his oh. contract is. Anyway, I have him going to the Titans. Um, I think the Titans need a top-level backup because Cause what we need Mariota, is a super injury-prone quarterback to well you need a you need a top-tier backup and you know Case Keenum and Tannehill are probably the best backups you can get on on the open market uh this this season um I think uh no I don't disagree know, Mariota, might come on to a later quarterback we talk about mm. but I don't think mm. it's Tannehill. well Mariota's only going to play 10 games because that's you know, he he always sits about five or six out um, with well, no, a nerve or a you know, dislocated toe or an ingrown, ingrown fingernail or something. But uh, I think Ryan Tannehill will be the guy to uh, come in, uh, carry the load for four or five games uh, at a relatively high level and give Marietta a bit of competition and set up a duel next off season uh, as to who is the starting quarterback going forward. Dylan? Um, yeah, so I realized that I sort of had the same situation as Gareth had with the Broncos, where I've sent yet another quarterback to the Redskins. I guess I'm really hedging, hedging my bets here. <laughs> I can just see the I can just see the well, doing what, anything. One just, of these quarterbacks will go well, to the Redskins. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to sure be right one way or another. I just I don't have any idea what they think they're doing. I could see them doing literally anything during the offseason. Oh God! So John Elway and. Daniel Snyder are throwing quarterback parties this offseason. Yes, uh, without a doubt. I can see it. I can see it. And I think the final name on the wheel is Tyrod Taylor. He's an interesting one. Should see, we see I have Tyrod Taylor going to Tennessee. I think he's he's a great fit. He's similar sort of. He's a mobile quarterback. He also you know can throw it when he needs to. I think he'd be uh, more than adequate backup for Mariota because we do need. Um, uh, a proper sort of second quarterback and he'd be a big upgrade on Blaine Gabbert so and I think he makes more sense than Tannehill yeah I think he'd be a good fit as well he, he fits the run first offense well that's what I want to have as well, as well as um, I, think I think he can good. test his defense over the top a little bit more than Mario can as well I think that's uh, I mean I didn't have him going there but now that you said it maybe I should have but I had him going actually back to the Ravens mm. uh, I don't know if he would want to if he would want to go back, but it's the team that drafted him. His fan base uh, like him there, uh, I believe. I seem to remember it ending amicably. You don't um, want to stick with 
I think they're going to want a, uh, a good a good running, uh, maybe an upgrade on RG3, but that kind of player who, if Lamar Jackson uh, misses a few games, which inevitably he will, because uh, he runs 20 times a game, I think uh, I think Tyrell Taylor makes sense coming in to lead that offense. Dylan? Um, I actually had him going to the Dolphins. So I swear you're giving them like four. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I'm giving them no one. I don't think. I think they were quarterbackless under my. I think everybody's at the Redskins and, they, <laughs> and they're just sitting there. Um, and I actually sort of think that that might be how it turns out. I think they might find themselves in a position where they can't get the right guy through the draft, and they and they choose to just just make a trade to kind of sit on somebody for one more year or so. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and that concludes Wing of Quarterback. Well done win. to all the quarterbacks. Well done to all the quarterbacks. Please join your new general manager. <laughs> and uh, and we will see you back here next year for another edition of Wheel of Quarterbacks. Oh, wonderful. Um, well, I, I think that uh, that the game, especially now that we have some repairs to do on the wheel, it sounds like, um, yeah. I think that that, that uh, concludes our episode this week. Um, we... We'll be back to you guys again, I will promise, with increased frequency. Um, I, I don't know exactly what that means, but we have so much to discuss through the offseason. So many of these storylines are going to develop and change and play out in the next few weeks. We have draft preparation coming up, the combine coming up, um, and a lot to well, get Just to clarify, we don't have draft preparation coming up. We're well, not prospects. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess we will be talking about yeah, the draft. <laughs> Maybe that will be a good segment. Do you think that's a good segment for an audio-only show of just us going through the combine? Absolutely. And, you know, our listeners better be excited for our draft content because, as they may or may not know, we have a man in Nashville. Very true. Draft season. On the ground. Yes. As, as long as as long as I am able to uh, exit my apartment and I and it, I don't remain on an island flooded in Nashville forever, um, I will be able to row myself over to some of the combine activities, I believe. Would you rather be a reporter on the ground, in the field, or... On the, the other one. <laughs> on the scene. On the scene. Where would you most want to be? On the scene. I'd rather be on the on the scenes. It has the most action. By the way, I know what your thoughts are on sleeping on the street, Dylan. But <laughs> if you rent out your place in the Airbnb, then you'll be able to make an absolute killing. Like apparently, hotels are starting at like five hundred dollars. Not oh. even central downtown Nashville at the moment. Like it's absolutely mental. So I mean, who who goes to? I know people go to the draft, and as clearly it's people. Been, who goes to the draft? Thousands of people do apparently. But it's been absolute mayhem apparently, didn't? Because the it's actually called the Music City Marathon. It's called like the Rock and Roll Marathon is happening in Nashville. Like the same. Why week. would it oh, be? Just an absolute nightmare apparently, and traffic is just crazy in downtown Nashville anyway so the honky tonk on Broadway is going to be absolutely round it's not just one honky tonk <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I thought the honky tonk was a bar there, no oh my lord there, there are honky tonk <laughs> Oh, there there's, are numerous honky tonks. Multiple honky tonks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it, the honky tonk is more of a, a general activity that can that can occur at a number of establishments oh. that could also be referred okay. to as. A, anyway, one um, day I'm going to learn what the honky tonk is, oh, but uh, I think we better. I think we're running over now. Yeah, yeah. Certainly we are. Well, uh, thank you guys so much, and we'll be back to you uh, really soon with episode five. Bye, guys. Bye.